Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. The conversation continues with James Freeman on today's news talk, TNT Radio. Something very interesting happened in UK politics overnight. Something I have no doubt will lead to fireworks in the British Parliament. I've just literally seen an interview with um, George Galloway. Um, Very, very interesting comments about Richard Tice. Obviously, Richard Tice making accusations against George Galloway, saying it wasn't a fair fight. And Galloway returning um, from that with um, basically highlighting the fact that Tice recently invited him to stand um, as the Reform Party in the UK, um, in, in Rochdale rather very very interesting comments from Galloway and I've got no doubt that he will set off fireworks in the British Parliament it is Friday the 1st of March 2024 and as we used to say when I was a kid pinch punch first of the month Um, welcome to the Freeman Report and happy St David's Day to all of my Welsh listeners and viewers Um, St. David is the patron saint of Wales, and so today will be celebrated across the Welsh nation. So, George Galloway became the UK's newest MP um, last night after getting 39.7% of the vote in the Rochdale by-election, beating all other parties by a factor of more than three. After the Conservatives came second with just 12% of the vote. Now, love him or hate him, this is an extraordinary achievement for Galloway, who started his political career with the Labour Party, but then broke away to form the Respect Party and now the Workers' Party of Britain. This is the fourth constituency that Galloway has represented in the British Parliament and the third constituency he has represented since being expelled from the Labour Party in uh, 2003 rather um, for his opposition to Blair and his war in Iraq. Now, when George appeared on the Freeman Report back in November, it was clear that he wasn't done with British politics and with the war in Gaza stirring up problems for the Labour Party, it was just a matter of time before the right opportunity presented itself. Labour's stance on the conflict in the Middle East and the debacle with its candidate um, in Rochdale meant that George had an easy win last night. Um, The Labour vote, although he wasn't an official Labour candidate after they withdrew the whip from him during the actual campaign, um, Labour got um, 51.6% of the vote last time and I think the candidate got less well. They came third after the Conservatives last night. So what a debacle for the Labour Party. Um, The population in Rochdale is around 36% Muslim, somewhere around that figure. And with feelings running high over the Middle East conflict and Labour's refusal to call for a ceasefire, it was always going to be an open goal for Galloway. Now, regardless of whether you like Galloway or not, and he is definitely a Marmite type of politician in the UK, I think this is a great night for democracy in the UK as it shows that independents can get elected. 
It also promises to deliver some very interesting scenes in the British House of Commons. Galloway doesn't mince his words, and I've got no doubt whatsoever that we'll see some very un uncomfortable questions being posed for Labour and the Conservatives over their stance on the conflict in the Middle East. Last night also presents evidence that Labour might have some problems at the next general elections with its Muslim vote in many cities around the UK. In addition to the collapsing vote for the main parties last night, it should also be noted that Richard Tice's Reform Party failed to capitalise at all, um, coming in a fairly dismal place. And as I just talked about, I've just seen Galloway's speech where he had a proper go at Richard Tice after it seems Tice actually offered him to stand for the Reform Party in Rochdale and now has had a go at um, Galloway saying it wasn't a fair election. In his acceptance speech, Galloway said Labour is on notice that they have lost the confidence of millions of their voters who loyally and traditionally voted for them generation after generation. Apparently, there were a few hecklers during Galloway's acceptance speech with the usual accusations of him being a terrorist sympathiser, although bizarrely, one woman heckler was removed by security after accusing Galloway of failing to address the climate emergency of all things. Um, Rochdale is, of course, also linked with the child's sexual exploitation and grooming gangs, which was an issue at the ballot box, although William Howarth, who stood um, as the Parents Against Grooming UK candidate, um, he only managed to get 0.8% of the vote. Galloway has pledged to crack down on grooming gangs and said that there will be no grooming gangs on his watch. So I'm looking forward to his first speech in the House of Commons as he will undoubtedly throw a cat amongst the Labour pigeons, which I cannot wait to see. It's going to be good fun, I think. Anyway, back to today's show, as my first guest today is Robin Tilbrook, who is the chairman of the English Democrats Party, which is campaigning for a referendum on English independence. Personally, I think that's a terrible idea, as I believe the UK nations are stronger together. But I'm keen to, keen to hear Robin's arguments, as you never know, he might be able to persuade me on some, some of his points. Devolution, in my opinion, has been a disaster for the UK. So if anything, I would like to see a move towards strengthening the union and getting rid of the devolved parliaments. But I'm looking forward to debating all of this with Robin. So stay tuned for that after the breaking news with Basil Valentine in just a moment. Um, my second guest today um, has been on the Freeman Report before. Natalie Bradbury first appeared on the show back in April 2023 after she set up a food cooperative that serves local people with freshly sourced food direct from farms across the UK. Um, I caught up with Natalie last week and was delighted to hear that she's now got more than 100 members. So I thought I'd get her back on the show to tell us how things are going. Um, the model that Natalie has set up is one of the things that we can do to support farmers. As with greedy supermarkets out of the equation, Natalie is able to offer farmers a fair price for their produce. 
So a pack, another packed show on the Freeman Report for you today. Um, if you want to get in touch about anything on the show, then email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And as always, if you want to get involved in the conversation, head over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for today's News Talk TNT. Giving you what you want. I want the fact. Today's News Talk Radio TNT. Hello, it's Basil today, not Gemma. Hello, Basil, how are you doing? <laughs> Very well, thank you, James. Great to be with you. And hello to our viewers and listeners all around the world. The first thing yeah, I want to no... mention, James, is just to pick yeah, up on the it. Rochdale by-election. Uh, stunning win for George Galloway, and he's certainly going to put the cat among the pigeons in the House of Commons. I look forward to that. Uh, you know, and I don't agree with him on everything. Of course not. But uh, he is a proper you know, chap, he's a rounded human being. He's not one of these identical politicians out of the central office of the main parties. But almost as remarkable was that vehicle repair shop owner David Tully came second. He got 6,000 votes. Uh, a local businessman whose uh, family have run the vehicle repair shop for over 50 years. He formerly represented Rochdale Rugby Union and coached there. And... Uh, you know, just a thoroughly good, you know, local egg. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had people like him in Parliament instead of all these party apparatchiks? Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because I actually missed that as I was scanning the um, the results this morning. I thought it was the Conservatives that came second. That's very, very interesting um, um, point there, Basil, because, you know, I think this has been a very, very bad night, obviously, for the main parties. The Labour Party have had a whole debacle with their candidate after removing the whip. And the Conservatives' vote has also plummeted. Um, but the fact that we've got George Galloway winning and then the second person is an independent, I think is very, very very interesting indeed. Obviously, we've got the general election coming up this year. Could we see other constituencies following this model, whether the main parties are just thrown out? Um, very, very interesting um, result indeed. Um, the other thing to note, Basil, um, I don't know whether you caught George Galloway's, um, he was talking, I think it was with LBC, um, an interview that um, went out on X, I saw this morning, where um, the, um, the host asked um, Galloway um, what he thought of Richard Tice's accusations that it wasn't a free and fair election, to which he replied, um, I've still got that text on my phone, Richard, where you actually asked me to stand for reform. Um, very, very interesting little um, exchange there between um, George and Richard. Yes, um, it sounds a bit like sour grapes from Richard Tice, to be honest, because yeah, the reform yeah. were sort of completely wiped out. They didn't get anywhere. David Tully, meanwhile, uh, campaigned to be a voice of the people, challenging the status quo of mainstream politics. He aimed to express what Rochdale residents truly felt. Isn't that what all our elected MPs are supposed to do, James? Uh, you know, express yeah. what their residents truly feel. We've come so far from what representative democracy is supposed to be about that it takes somebody like David Tully to bring us back down to earth. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, I agree with you. We've got a lot of sort of fake politicians, career politicians, whatever you want to call them. Too many of them in Parliament at the moment. Um, we we need, you know, like I said in my introduction, you are you can you can level hate George Galloway. But what he's done here is quite extraordinary. Obviously, this is the fourth different constituency um, he's held. He is a real person. He speaks his mind, which is something that's missing in UK politics. I did certainly think it's going to add um, a bit of spice to the British um, Parliament um, when he comes in um, in the next few days. Um, Basil, what, um, what story have you got for me this morning? Well, to talking about uh, fake politicians, the Conservatives have been accused by human rights experts of hypocrisy after cracking down on Gaza protests and indeed climate protests but celebrating and endorsing the farmers' protests in Wales because, of course, it's politically convenient and popular for them to do so. Uh, Sunak himself joined a protest of farmers in Wales last Friday, uh, but this week he's vowed to crack down on protests, referring to them as mob rule, which is total nonsense, real dog whistle language. There is no mob rule there hasn't been any mob rule in Britain since the 1600s. And, uh, you know, that resulted in the regicide of our current king's namesake. But uh, I think it's absolutely ludicrous and opportunistic of Sunak to, on the one hand, uh, say he's going to crack down on perfectly legal pro protests aimed at ending a genocide, uh, while at the same time um, standing alongside the Welsh farmers in what was, well, you were there. Uh, it was quite I a sizable event, quite a sizable event, wasn't it, that caused some considerable disruption, I believe. Yeah, I mean, we were um, outside the Parliament with the main protest, but they did, I think, close down some roads. There was a lot of shenanigans as well. I think a lot of the farmers didn't actually make it to the protest because um, their coaches were stuck on roads into Cardiff as well. So, um, oh. you know, and it was a very... It was, it, was, it was a shame it was such a rainy day as well, because I think after the speakers, everyone just dispersed very, very quickly. Um, right. But talking about the hypocrisy, um, Basil, um, I think actually the bigger hi um, hypocrisy going on here with the Conservatives is that whilst they pretend to support the farmers, DEFRA um, has obviously been offering farmers up to £100,000 in England for farmers to leave the sector altogether. Um, and I had Sally Beck on yesterday and she was saying um, that um, two 2.2 thousand farmers have accepted um, this scheme and will be leaving oh farmers or farming altogether, which is a real worry. And it does, you know, it does put a big question mark on the Conservatives' claim to be supporting the sector because, you know, we've got an average age of farmers. Um, I think it's around 60, give or take a few years, but, you know, it's, it's worryingly high, the average age of a UK farmer. Um, and um, the Conservatives are encouraging what farmers we've got left to lead the sector together. So I think, you know, I think that's the hypocrisy I'm seeing rather than necessarily supporting one political movement or another, because that's what politicians are about, aren't they? Um, you know, they, they pick their... their they pick their um their 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 things they want to support and then they support them, um, but I think that's where the hypocrisy lies. So, what happens to the land that these farmers that are now giving up farming 
uh, are vacating. Uh, is that part of the whole rewilding process? Well, um, Sally, interestingly, Sally has tried to get some information. Um, we're going to I think I'm going to invite someone for the National Farming Union. So far, it's pretty unclear, actually, what's going to happen to the land, although there are no restrictions from somebody buying it up, opening a caravan park or even putting solar panels there or wind farms. So, you know, you'd oh. think. Because the concern, what the Conservatives are oh. saying is they want to get new blood into the farming industry. And so they want to get rid of all these old farmers and bring in new farmers. But there's no evidence that that is actually the plan. So, um, you know, I think there's a few questions that need answering there, which we're going to try and do on the Freeman Report it, it, in the next few weeks. Yeah, just but finally, it's a very difficult job and requires intimate knowledge of the land itself. You know, you don't just sort of arrive on a farm and... Uh, expect to be able to work the land as well as somebody whose family have done so for generations. It's yeah. a completely bonkers idea, you know. It is, um, because it is, it is one of those um, vocations, and it is a vocation whereby, you know, traditionally the, the, the majority of people going into farming, farming have grown up with it. It is a very, very hard job. It can be very, very lonely. Yes. Um, you know, you don't get two days off or, or like, you know, the rest of us that are arguing for a full, or no, many people right. that are arguing for a four-day week. This is a seven-day-a-week job. You get calls throughout the night if your sheep have um, broken out of the field and made it onto the, the road. Um, you know, you're, you're a constant call um, to the farm. It's very, very difficult um, to take holidays, for example. So yes. it's not the kind of job that you just think, I know what I want to do. I want to be a farmer. It, it is generally people that are, you know, have grown up with it that go into the to the sector. So I think it's very, very worrying that the Conservatives are encouraging the farmers that we have got to leave the, the sector. I'm very grateful to farmers and in awe of yeah. them. Um, and uh, it's one of those uh, sectors of the economy that basically, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, you know, for generations, uh, we've had highly productive agriculture in this country. Why on earth would anybody want to meddle with it is beyond belief anyway. Well, Basil, we've got to save the planet, haven't we? <laughs> we've got right, right, yeah. <laughs> apparently um, and doing that you know in in wales here it's absolutely bonkers um in order to save the planet apparently we've got to turn over 20 percent of prime agricultural land over to tree planting and wildlife preservation um you know we're not self-sufficient as it is for food in the uk so presumably that means we're going to need to import more food which is going to have to be you know imported from other countries around the world so the whole thing makes absolutely no sense as 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 is usually the case with these climate um activists and 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 politicians which really i don't think fully understand the issue um basil which, thank you very which much bring us, which just brings us back very quickly james to uh, george galloway who proposes yeah. a referendum on net zero so um that perhaps that's one of the reasons why the good people of Rochdale voted for him. He does not subscribe to the climate hysteria. Yeah, I suspect it's got more to do with what's going on in Gaza um, at the moment. But um, no, sure, yeah, but it's in the Workers' Party manifesto that they would yeah, hold a referendum. 
And I think, given the fact that at the moment um, we haven't got a choice in UK politics, we've got no one representing all of the people who actually just think net zero is a con, and there are lots of us. Um, this isn't a fringe issue now. Um, I think it's great that we're going to have someone in Parliament who's not only got that view, because I'm sure that we have got politicians that have got that view, but they are the career-type ilk of politician who don't get up and actually speak up um, and say speak their mind. George Galloway will do that. So um, I'm really looking forward to him, um, seeing him in Parliament. Um, anyway, thank you very much, Basil. Have a great weekend and catch up with you thank very, you, very soon. James. No doubt. Have a great weekend. Fantastic. Right, okay, don't go anywhere because my first um, guest today, um, he's an advocate for English independence and he wants to hold a referendum on that. What do you think of that? Personally, I think it's a terrible idea, but I'm really open to listening to Robin's arguments about that. So stay um, tuned for that in just a moment right here on TNT. TNT's Bruce de Torres. The US has conducted numerous wars since the end of what is euphemistically called the post-war era. Korea, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, Afghanistan, Yugoslavia, Iraq, Libya, Syria, Yemen, and now Palestine and Ukraine. The unspoken objective is not to win the war, but to engineer the destruction of entire countries, create political and social chaos with a view to ultimately picking up the pieces and taking control of the national economies of sovereign nation states. World Stage and Bruce de Torres on today's News Talk TNT. TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what others only say they do. TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do. Crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and all night. In two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time, and we must continue to call out the misinformation and propaganda from mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. We're now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to go to TNTradio.live and make a small donation to TNT while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live. Right. As many of you know, um, I was a member of the European Parliament with the Brexit Party. I fought for the UK's independence from Europe. My next guest, um, Robin Tilbrook, is from the English Democrats Party, and he wants to see um, England independent from the rest of the UK. So we're going to talk all about that today and also what the party stands for. Um, and, you know, if it hopes to get a, um, M a any MPs elected at the next election. Hello, Robin. How are you doing? Hello, James. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, it's fantastic to have you on. I've already made it clear that I'm sceptical, I guess, of English independence, but I'm really, really um, eager to hear the arguments around it. I'm sure that you have got some good points there. Um, you know, devolution has been an absolute disaster, um, you know, so maybe maybe there are good arguments for actually England becoming independent. Now, Robin, before we get into that, I wonder if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself, telling us, um, you know, given the state of UK politics at the moment, I guess my first question to you would be, are you mad getting <laughs> wanting to get involved? So give us a little bit of a flavour of your background and why you why you think it's a good idea to, to get involved in UK politics. 
Well, thank you, James. I, th I think you're right. Uh, really, anybody uh, wanting to get involved in politics uh, is a bit um, unusual at any rate, eccentric, perhaps. I don't know whether we're full on mad, but um, uh, the point is, obviously, we, we, we're, we're trying to make a change uh, and we're campaigning for that. Um, and in particular, what we're trying to uh, make a change for is uh, being a voice for England and English interests, because uh, at the moment, apart from us, uh, there's nobody else uh, who's even trying to make a, uh, to be the voice for the English nation. Um, and uh, that's quite strange when you've got Scotland and Wales having their own first ministers, governments and um, parliaments, uh, and, and something very similar in Northern Ireland as well. Uh, and uh, we we had to put up during the time of uh, Gordon Brown and and to some extent still with the cry that there was the nations and regions of Britain and uh, Scotland Wales and curiously Northern Ireland were said to be nations but England were just re was just regions and I, I think that's completely unacceptable as far as I'm concerned as, as an English nationalist. Yeah, it is a um, a, a, a slightly odd um, state of affairs, isn't it? I mean, we've got a global audience here, so it's probably worth just explaining and, and laying out w what the UK um, political system looks like. I mean, we've got obviously the, we've got the Parliament in Westminster, which represents the whole of the UK, but then we've got a Parliament in Scotland, we've got a Parliament in Northern Ireland, and a Parliament in Wales, um, which represent those specific nations within the United Kingdom. But poor old England um, hasn't got its own parliament, has it? No, we haven't got our own parliament. Uh, and the English Democrats did for about 15 years campaign for um, an English parliament, first minister and government with at least the same powers as the Scottish one. Um, but um, what we were told by various senior Tories in particular, conservative um, politicians, uh, was that... Um, England was too big to have its own parliament, um, which um, I've always found rather a strange um, statement when you think that uh, France has got its own parliament, but um, um, Canada's got its own parliament, <laughs> Australia's got its mm. own parliament, uh, but uh, England is too big to have its own parliament, which is just uh, bizarre. Um, the only argument I've ever had um, for a reason why uh, the union is worth the vast amount of English taxpayers' money that we spend on subsidising the other parts of um, the UK, um, is, uh, the, the senior politicians say, it enables, it enables us to punch above our weight on the world stage. Um, I, that doesn't really appeal to me. I don't, I don't want to be um, punching above our weight on the world stage. What I want is um, a democratic... Um, nation state that's um, actually um, looking after ourselves rather than um, trying to trying to interfere with um, all sorts of uh, foreign adventures around the world. I mean, just just think yeah. of example getting involved in um, uh, a, a coup and uh, the killing of Colonel Gaddafi uh, in Libya. It's been an absolute disaster. Uh, what what business was it of ours to get involved in it? And that's punching above our, our weight on the world stage, I think. Yeah, exactly. Now, we're going to go to a break in just a moment. But before we do that, I'd like to hear, you know, 
what is the sort of motivation behind um, your desire to have a referendum on English independence? Is it be, is it a reaction to the fact that we've got devolved governments now for every other nation apart from England? Um, you know, do you? Well, well I guess the, the the underlying question that to that is, do you support devolution, or do you think? Because um, my my view of devolution is that it's been an absolute disaster. Well, it has been a disaster if you if you're supporting the union. That, that's that's for sure because it is it's undermined the the union in uh, Scotland and Wales and um, we're seeing it may well have undermined it also in Northern Ireland, um, but the point is that uh, England is arguably the oldest nation state on earth. Um, we we were united in nine twenty seven A D, um, and um, the fact is uh, we we've been left out of this and instead of instead of wanting to do something for England, the British establishment politicians want to break England up into bogus regions, which have no uh, sort of historical or communal sense about them at all. Um, and that's simply to placate um, Scottish and Welsh nationalism. Uh, in other words, to, to try and reduce the size of England to the point where um, English interests are completely ignored in the way that politics works. Yeah. OK. Right, Robin, we're going to take a quick break for the news headlines. Now, when we come back, I'd like to hear, um, you know, if we did get independence in England or if England did get independence, what you think the pros and cons of that are? Because, you know, we've seen all the problems with Northern Ireland. I know that was a problem with the border that was largely created by the EU. But presumably, if England gets independence, we're going to have the same issues with Wales and Scotland, which have obviously got land borders with England. So I'd like to hear what you think um, would be the benefits for England and maybe also some of the problems that would be need to be resolved. So don't go anywhere, Robin. Got loads of questions for you that on in just a second, right here on TNT. Now's a good time to break the big news. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. Israeli soldiers have been accused of massacring starving civilians waiting for humanitarian aid in Gaza City. Breaking news in the Middle East. More than 100 people are dead and hundreds injured after Israeli forces allegedly opened fire on Palestinians waiting for food aid. Russia's accused the UK of being directly involved in the war in Ukraine and India's developed a new pill that promises to prevent the recurrence of cancer and reduce the side effects of treatment by up to 50%. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download, keeping you up to speed on TNT Radio. Right now, Robin, first of all, before we get into this um, debate about English independence, tell us um, about the English Democrats Party. When was it formed? What are your main policies? And I guess, you know, how many candidates are you going to be standing at the general election this year? Yes, James. So uh, we launched uh, in August 2002. Uh, so we're uh, significantly over 20 years old now. Um, we initially campaigned, uh, our primary campaign was, as I say, uh, for um, in an English parliament within the federal UK. Um, and um, we, we gradually came to find that actually what what was being proposed was, uh, was that we either got to have uh, Britain or the UK broken up um, or or the other alternative, which the establishment want, is to break up England. 
So it, it is actually, for anybody that cares about England, it, it's essential that we have uh, independence because otherwise we're going to find that the uh, British establishment politicians do actually break England up. That's what they've been wanting to do for some time. The only reason they haven't done it so far is because they can't agree where the boundaries of the of the, um, the new regions will be. Um, but um, as far as England's concerned, it does matter that, uh, that we're not represented because we wind up getting the, uh, the raw end of um, all sorts of policies. I'll just to give a couple. Um, we we, uh, we had the British establishment wanting to build um, a, a HS2, which was a um, 21st century railway line, they were saying, um, right up the spine of England. Um, and uh, because because they were going to spend £100 billion pounds on that, that meant not only uh, was that a waste for most of us, as far as most of us are concerned, but also um, because there was this money being spent, money had to be given uh, to Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland uh, in proportion to the amount spent. So the Scots uh, were getting something in the order of £15 billion pounds, um, handed out for a capital spend when they hadn't even got a project to spend it on. Uh, and this is called the Barnet Formula, and the Barnet Formula consequentials. We, we, the English taxpayers, wind up paying a colossal amount of money to subsidise the union and to keep it going and to as an electoral bribe, in effect, for um, Scottish and Welsh and, to some extent, Northern Irish voters. Um, and uh, my line is that uh, really we, we we don't we don't get any benefit from that what we get is sort of the bill and the blame if you'll pardon the pun mm. and what about then um so i guess on one hand i mean you know i can see and like i said i think you know at the moment i'm skeptical but i can see some some positives there i think you're right that it's wrong that um the the other three nations have a parliament and england isn't represented but i guess if you know if we move further down that that road and we give um england um a, its own parliament you know there's all sorts of problems that i can envisage to do with land borders with scotland i mean we you know we've seen the debacle with in northern ireland and how that that border has become such a big issue obviously it would be even bigger issue um, i think within the uk here i mean wales has got a huge border with england as has scotland how do you see that um progressing particularly with scotland because i think if the uk did break up and scotland got its independence as well it's very, very likely they would join the EU and we would have a whole issue on the Scot Scottish border. How do you, what solutions do you see to those problems? Do you think it would be a problem? I don't actually think it would be. Um, the idea of uh, Scotland joining the EU at the moment, I, I think is really quite unlikely. It's it's one of the, one of the ways in which um, uh, the SNP have undermined themselves by arguing about arguing for a rejoin of the EU when it's it's clear that in order to rejoin the EU they'd have to have a much um, higher tax base than they've currently got they're spending too much of the too much money to qualify under the various required um, fiscal rules uh, and in addition they would have to join the euro um, both of those things are impractical for the Scots uh, particularly when um, something like 80% of all their trade is with England so uh, they, they they would lose out badly if they did join the EU and, and we were independent. Um, and the same would be true of Wales if they wanted to join the EU. Uh, 
they they also have most of their trade with England. Um, it, it would be impractical for them to change that. Um, so I, 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 I don't think it would be an, pose an insoluble problem. Obviously, the independent nation states would have to negotiate and deal with um, uh, all the issues that arise. Yeah, and that, and that, that, I mean, would, so that would take years, no doubt. Yes. So with with your um, call for a referendum, then I assumed that that meant calling for an independent England. So actually breaking away from the other nations. Um, is that what it is? Or is it just to have a parliament in England? So we, we ask we are calling for independence for England. Uh, and that does mean the dissolution of the United Kingdom. Uh, if Scotland had had uh, voted to, to uh, leave the United Kingdom, people were talking as if that would leave the United Kingdom intact. But from a constitutional lawyer's point of view, that, that's inconceivable. Uh, the uh, union of the United Kingdom was based on the Act of Union of 1707 between the kingdoms of England and Scotland. Uh, and that's what created the United Kingdom of Great Britain. Uh, if uh, Scotland were, to, were a bit going, they'd have to be repealing the Act of Union of 1707 in order to enable that to happen. Uh, and so if either Scotland or England were to leave uh, the UK, the UK is dissolved. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess that's my point, really. If, if, if let's just say we did hold a referendum in England and England decided to go independent, Scotland would automatically get its independence. I think they would then be forced. Um, well, they wouldn't be forced, but all these um, question marks you just presented about whether to join the European Union, I think, would dissolve away because they would already be independent. Um, I think as well that Northern Ireland is on a trajectory to unify with the rest of Ireland. So is this not, um, I mean, this is my problem with or, or my my scepticism of the idea of England going independent, because I just think that what will end up being in the years to come is England basically surrounded by the European Union at every front, both, you know, on the continent and in its borders here in the UK. Well, I just don't see that there would be any benefit really for Scotland or Wales to join the EU. Um, they would no longer be um, in the situation that Ireland had been until quite recently, which was getting huge subsidies from the uh, EU. Um, the, the way the EU has developed, the countries like Ireland, Scotland, Wales are not going to get subsidies. They're going to have to put money in. Um, so it, it wouldn't be really a benefit. Uh, their trade isn't with the EU; it's with England mostly. Um, so there's not there's not even a trade benefit. Um, so I, I don't think they would be wanting to do that. Uh, I don't think it's in the modern world. I don't think it's necessary for um, nation states to to be um, automatically getting themselves into one of the big blocks. Um, that's. That, that that's really sort of mid 20th century um, thinking rather than 21st century thinking i think yeah uh, no i totally i totally agree with you robin but i guess you know when you look at the 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 vote um on the eu referendum there's a lot of people in scotland rightly or wrongly um you know whether it actually makes sense for scotland economically and, and everything else and for trade there are a lot of people that support um joining the european union um listen robin sadly we have run out of time but listen we'll have to get you back on the show again at some point um for those in england and elsewhere that are really interested in um your party and want to learn more where do they go 
Yes, well, our website is um, www.englishdemocrats.party and um, they can find out all about us there. Uh, and uh, uh, obviously we'd be happy to answer any questions if people have got questions. And presumably... And we Sorry, we Sorry, do also have a Twitter account. We do have a Twitter account as well, of course, which is English Democrats at, at English Democrats. Yeah, and presumably, if um, if anybody's interested in becoming a candidate, um, they can get in touch as well. Obviously, yeah. all smaller parties, it's really really important to get feet on the ground as well. So, you know, if you are watching this and you think that's a good idea, um, English Independence, then do contact Robin um, and the party. I'm sure they'll be happy to hear from you. Um, Robin Tilbrook, thank you very much. Thank you, James. <laughs> Right, okay. Um, my next guest is Natalie Bradbury. Um, she's going to be talking all about the food cooperatives that she set up. Um, it is really, really important um, at the moment that we support farmers and setting up these food cooperatives is a way that we can do that to give fair prices for the produce that our UK farmers are producing. So stick around for that in just a moment here on TNT. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. So here's an interesting little tidbit. The month of February in the United States has had 132 all-time record highs. Now, let's assume 100 years ago, it was just as warm as the weather that has set these all-time record highs. How many stations do you think would have had record highs? See what I'm saying? There are a lot more stations established across the United States now than there were 100 years ago, than there were 50 years ago, than there were 20 years ago. Some of the stations that broke their all-time record highs have had historical records of only 30 to 40 years. Now, that does not mean it was not an impressive display of warmth in the month of February. But let's say these record highs occurred just a couple of days ago. Well, most of the places that had those record highs had 40 to 60 degree temperature drops in the following couple of days. We've got wildfires going on in the Texas Panhandle where it's likely to snow tomorrow night, at least at times. It may snow into Dallas tomorrow night. So the weather is capable of wild swings. Now that is still a fantastic fact that 132 all-time record highs were set in the month of February in the United States. However, you still have to put it in perspective. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Asthma is a growing problem, especially among children. Asthma affects the quality of life for millions like me every single day. My name is Chris Draft, and I have asthma. And I've spent more than a decade in the NFL tackling asthma on and off the field. Join me and the EPA in helping people control their asthma. Asthma is a lung condition that can be controlled through medication and by avoiding things that can make it worse. Three steps are the solution to controlling asthma. Step one, talk to a doctor. Step two, make a plan. And step three, get rid of things that can make it worse. Asthma can be tackled. For more information on asthma, log on to epa.gov asthma. This is the Freeman Report with James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. 
Right now, this Wednesday, I was in outside the Welsh Parliament to support farmers here in Wales who are protesting against um, government policies there. One of the big issues that farmers have got is actually getting fair price for their produce, which is why the subsidies are so important. So I think, you know, one of the things we can all do to support farmers is join cooperatives, which cut out the supermarkets. And I'm absolutely delighted to be welcoming Natalie Bradbury and Louise Emmett, um, who have done just that. At, um, here in the UK. Um, hello girls, how are you doing? Hi, hi James, fine thank you, really good thank you. Now Natalie you've been on the show before, you appeared back in April last year, um, tell us again why you got involved in this and maybe I know there's been some changes to what you're doing with the cooperative, um, talk, us, um, th talk us through what, what's been going on. Okay, so I started obviously in April last year um, in the hope to bring communities together because we were very divided through the COVID era um, and I needed people to come together again. And I didn't, it didn't matter what choices people had or hadn't made. It was just a case of us coming together again because we were obviously very isolated with lockdown. And I think we were also very concerned about what we're putting in our bodies and we didn't have that trust anymore with the supermarkets. Um, obviously the price hacks and what have you. And also we wanted to support people that had lost businesses through COVID, um, you know, people that have got mortgages, that have got families to feed, and we didn't want to pay into the big corporations. So that was one of our main drives. Um, but like all things, you know, things come to a natural end. Things sort of happen within movements and what have you. And there wasn't a falling out. It was just a, a disagreement on how we wanted things to, to move forward, in which direction we were both comfortable in going. And I was very, very lucky to have two ladies, Louise sitting beside me and Joanne, who's not here at the moment. Um, they came on board and wanted to progress in the way that I could see how this was going to actually work to enable us to help more people. And I don't believe it could have worked in a way that we were doing it before. And subsequently now, because of the way we're all working together, we're all very good friends. We've got a team of people around us, a fantastic community. Uh, we've got a, an amazing guy that watched one of our shows that is helping us with our website. And he's basically made Organity possible, mm -hmm. Stuart. And also our wonderful Rena, who comes on packing days and helps come rain or shine. She's always there. And to be honest with you, it just shows the power of the people and how important everybody sees this. Our communities are fundamental. Without them, we wouldn't be organity. So each and every person plays a massive role in making this these cooperatives work. And it is hard work. So that's kind of where we are now, working with each other. And we all value each other. And Louise, um, what made you want to get involved? I mean, have you been done stuff like this before? Um, yeah, what attracted you to doing this? I actually did uh, work in my mum's fruit and veg shop years ago as a child and I absolutely loved it. I just came on a packing day and I just got so much from it. The community is just amazing. Um, I felt very lonely at one point. And I've built so many friendships. I've met some amazing people and it just, I got the bug for it. And I just, it's just progressed from there, really. And so tell us how it works. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, at the top level, you guys source food from direct from farms and you sell it. But it's not, it's a lot more complicated than that, I'm sure. And I remember, Natalie, you explaining um, before. How does it all work for people that want to get involved and become members? 
Okay, so first of all, I mean, how I started, we needed to have a group of people. You can't do this without a group of people. And the way we were going to be doing things is very different now. So we we ask people to find friendships, communities, families that want to buy from us. We source everything. We've done a lot of research into where we get stuff from. We've got different farms. We also use Riverford. And we're very realistic and understand that if we go direct to certain farms, they've already got huge contracts. They don't want to lose those contracts and mm. they don't feel a group of people is enough to warrant them selling to us. So that's where Riverford come in. And it's not just Riverford. Obviously, we've got other farms that we do go direct to, but there's not enough organic farms out there for a start. Um, so by using Riverford, they have the infrastructure to get the vegetables to start with on a mass scale and they have the resources to keep those in the fridged environment they need to be in at optimal level for us to be able to sell and then we top up with other places like local um or not so local small businesses um yes there's loads of different let's say coffee places out there but we like to support people that are much smaller concerns so that we we're helping them out um, another thing that we do like to do, James, is that we encourage our community members. A lot of them have got amazing skills, talents, things that they really enjoy. And they're now making items for the group, which is something we feel really that's really important to us. Mm -hmm. um, so we're providing them with a platform to be able to sell their goods, if you like. So, you know, we're, we're trying to source them all over the place to get different things. So eventually we stop the reliance of people having to use the supermarket because all the money that go into the products that we sell, there is a very tiny percentage on top of that to cover any fees like delivery fees, petrol fees for us going to farms and anything else that's made because there might be 40 people that buy this cycle and there was only 20 last, let's just say. So the more money that goes into the business then goes into buying items, extra items like flour, sugar, all these things that you'd have to go to the supermarket for. So our list has grown from just fruit and veg and dairy to fruit, veg, dairy, meat, pastas, tins, passatas, and all everything you can think of, toilet rolls, flour, sugar, butter, everything. So we're trying to, we, we give sort of ideas to people to say, you know, let us know what things you'd normally go to the supermarket for so we can then source that. But we've got people making breads and all sorts of wonderful things. So we're slowly coming away from that reliance, the supermarkets. And what people need to do is if they've got a group, then they can contact us on info at organity.co.uk and we'll have a chat with them how they want to proceed. Would they like us to help them with our model and tell them what we did so they can do the same? Or would they like us to take control and um, source all of the items for them, provide them with the order forms to take the payments. And then we either, at this moment in time, because we're quite small and we don't have the resources because there's no real money made here. It's just a, you know, a community-based project. But in time, we hope that we can get a van and we can go out to further afield to help people that are that bit further away from us. But at the moment, groups are coming to pick up their bulk orders and going off with their boxes to take them to their communities. That's how it's been working at the moment. And subsequently, we've got about five different groups now that have joined us that are buying from us. Um, and we're just sort of packing their boxes for them with the order forms that they've provided us. Um, and they get the items. And we're seeing that people are understanding it now and getting more and more items. 
Yeah, I mean, I think what you girls are doing is absolutely fantastic. I really do, um, particularly at the moment with what's going on um, with the farmers, because this is supporting them. It's taking the supermarkets out of the equation. But of course, the backdrop to this as well is there's a lot of discussion and debate going on in the UK and around the world at the moment about high processed foods you know ultra processed foods and all of this um is that another driver for what you're doing to supply quality good food um to people louise 100 yeah we we we've seen what's going on everywhere and we speak to people all over the world and it, we have to help the farmers that is the that is so important right now they are struggling we are losing farms all the time we've got to support the farmers and do you deal directly with any farms? And if so, do you speak to farmers about the issues that they're facing at the moment? What What are they telling you? We've got but the meat farm, haven't we? Yeah, spoken to yeah. Him. At the moment, he doesn't seem too worried about things. I mean, he's because he's um, quite well known the, where we get our meat from. He's got a community of people that really do support him anyway. Mm. So I, I, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of his finances, but. I know that he's got a large community that buy from him. We also have a dairy farm. Um, they are struggling a bit, actually. Yeah. Um, they had a huge list of items that they could provide, and that list has really whittled down. So I do believe that they are struggling slightly. Um, and we have an egg farmer, but she can't keep up with the supply, the demand. Each cycle we have, uh, that's probably one of our biggest selling items. I think we we ordered 122 half dozen eggs just this cycle, which is every two weeks. So that's the demand and she can't keep up with that demand. Um, and we've got little market gardeners here and there that just provide us with top ups. But as I say, there's not enough farmers around that can provide the scale that we need, but it's not big enough mm. for them to take on. Yeah. So we have to be realistic in how we do things. And are you in touch with other cooperatives? Because, you know, I've heard, um, you know, there are a number of people now setting these up, particularly, like I said, with the farm farmers protests at the moment. People want to support support farms and also, you know, stop buying their food from the supermarkets. Are you are you in touch with other people doing this? We, we are in touch with somebody. There was actually a really lovely guy that's joined our cooperative. Um, his name's Mark. And he was doing the same thing in Bovingdon, probably before we were even yeah. doing it, actually. He had a really good thing. But the the supply that he used shut down and he saw what we were doing. So he wanted to help, sort of join with us. And it's actually really good because what we're trying to do with Organity is have one big umbrella of all different communities that can come together. So we're forming a business directory for all the people, all the members that are with. There's no members, but all the, the community people. Um, they, they then can provide what they, they can list what they do for a living, for a profession. And then we can see within the group, oh, we need a plumber. Let's have a look and see if we've got one on organicity. Oh, yes, we have. So we want to try and help people get money back into their family with us. Mm -hmm. This is really yeah. important. Mm. And what areas do you cover in the UK for people listening that might be near you? At the moment, we've got Bovingdon, um, Milton Keynes. Uh, it's north london um south, south bucks south uh south london. london as well yeah so we you know we would like to help more areas and but, winchester yeah winchester we've winchester. got winchester as well now so it's growing yeah it's quite a big catchment area actually that you're already covering um 
can people get in touch as well? Anybody watching this now who thinks I'd like to do something like that? Obviously, it's quite a daunting task, I think, at the outset. But you, you've you both got lots of experience of doing this now. Um, are you happy for people to contact you? Yeah, we've got a website that they can go on or, and they can contact us. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're happy to speak to anyone about this. And they can come and visit and see how we go about our packing day. It's great. Mm. It's great fun. They'll get fed. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> tea, coffee, cake. You know, we, we invite people all the time to come and see what we're doing and they absolutely love it. But obviously a lot of people don't realise how much is, uh, work is involved. So yeah. they might want us to sort of take control. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, very, very quickly, we're running out of time now. Um, what's that website that people can go to? Well, if they want to ask questions, it's info at organity.co.uk. Or if they want to have a look at the website and see what it's all about, there's some news feeds on there. It's um, organity.co.uk. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Natalie and Louise. Good luck with uh, with everything there. If you're watching this and you live near them, please do get in touch with them and buy your food from them instead of the supermarkets. Right. OK, well, it's been a very, very busy week this week. Um, obviously, lots to do with the farmers. Um, so it's good to finish the week on how we can support the farmers. Um, but the message now is don't go anywhere. Stick with us right here on TNT.